All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Action for Everyone for this year, January 14th, 2024. I am your host, Mike Scott. I am a lawyer just trying to get through his life. But unbeknownst to most people, I am a former black ops agent. And shit has come up this week that is forcing me to deal with things. So you may start calling me the barrister. I'm kidding, of course, but we are going to be talking about mundane job badasses this week, joined by <laughs> Vice Victus Vice. How are you today? <laughs> the fucking barrister. Oh, man, I don't put that in my, in my, I'm going to send your name on my phone to that. I wanted um, to go with the counselor, but Ridley Scott yeah. beat me to it. So, uh, yeah. Well, I um, am a humble computer analyst, but in my former life, I was a top secret analyst and that's actually kind of that's actually true it's really fucked up <laughs> but, uh, but yes but uh once again i have been called back into action uh by the powers that be so yes uh prepare for the adventures of the analyst what's going on everybody how's it going <laughs> and we are joined by returning guest it's been a, too long since we've had him on to be to be honest but he is our official san diego comic-con correspondent diego crespo diego how are you today man Oh, I am good. Uh, I just got thrown into the world of uh, carpentry. So now that that is my uh, day job. And I'm sure that will somehow tie into me becoming uh, some sort of action star or um, living a life where uh, I can't have any love interest because they'll get killed off. And that'll be my narrative drive for uh, <laughs> getting into the world of crime and uh, political syndicates. But uh, I don't you, have you the voice of have... Jason Statham. You actually have two. You could be the carpenter or you could be the photographer. Either mm -hmm. way, you have both of them. <laughs> yeah. They both work. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I actually think we all need to get together and write a, a spec script for uh, the podcaster. That that's 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 really the untapped market right there. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin I, Smith I, I has actually... got a boner. <laughs> No, I was gonna say that kind of that you say it out loud. It kind of feels like one of those like um, Jesus movies, or like one of those ones that the what's that what's that fake the one that the that Shapiro dickhead does that movie the movie company with all the um right wing bullshit. It kind of sounds like that. <laughs> the podcast no. only he would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 definitely a uh, Shapiro's partner Dallas Sonye, the 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 dick smack that he is. That's definitely the type of high concept he'd come up with. Um, all right, boys, we are obviously uh, joking about this and talking about this because we have had. Uh, a couple of these movies, but obviously the biggest one that we're going to talk about this week is uh, we got to talk about the beekeeper. This is going to be for those listening. This is going to be kind of a good old fashioned A4E. We're just going to talk about a couple of movies. We're going to we're going to, you know, chat it up and cut it up here. But uh, the beekeeper, Diego, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on the David Ayer directed Jason Statham starring the beekeeper? Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but. I have a weird history with David Ayer in that I tend not to like his movies and I have been very public about that sometimes. Uh, there are no accounts of him being less than a decent gentleman, so it is not personal. Um, although he has made some comments just as, as a Mexican that I found questionable um, about <laughs> where he grew up from uh, and whatever. He's a white guy. He's going to make 
some dumb comments eventually. Um, <laughs> and the only other movie of his I like is Sabotage, which I think is like his masterpiece. And that is not ironic at all. I, I think that's a great movie. It's just vile and repu repugnant and disgusting. Um, but it's kind of incredible. You have to see it to believe it. And if you hate it, I, I don't begrudge you. So I was kind of hoping for more of that with the beekeeper. Um, and it is morally like just strange. Uh, I also think it's pretty good, which was a very nice surprise. This is, I think, um, peak January cinema. And I, I subscribe to, to Vice's notion about January movies where it's like, it, it's, it's not, it's not the wasteland it's, it's described as anymore. You, you can get some real bangers stuck away here. And I, I think this movie is perfect for A4E fans. I really do. Um, <laughs> It's not a home run, but it it does kind of it does kind of cook with the action. Um, maybe not enough of it for my taste, but I walked out pleasantly surprised because I was just straight up not going to watch this movie because I I'm not a David Ayer guy. But hey, if this is the beginning of a new David era Ayer era, I will be very happy. So uh, thumbs up from me at the start of this. I got I got quibbles, but that's that's for later. This is this was a good time. Vice, your thoughts. So yeah, um, we will get into um, spoilers in a, in a few minutes because um, I think that kind of getting to those spoilers, the specific plot points of this is for me actually where this like really shines. Um, but which is to say, on its face, just as a as we as as we say this um, January action movie or more specifically a Jason Statham movie, quote unquote, it is probably like it is like top tier in that regard. Just full on wackiness silliness and action like a really and hard hitting brutal action too that looks mostly uh, intelligible and and clean um so yeah like just as a station this like this 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 right off the bat this is one of the top station Sith movies and remember for those who don't know the difference between a station Sith movie and a movie Jason Statham is in so like that's kind of a he he has that 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 those qualities he has two realms of him but yeah, this is definitely a top tier Jason Statham movie. Um, but yeah, like like I said, um, when we get into the details later on, um, it, what as it unfolded, I was just um, kind of taken aback by how um, interesting and kind of where the little details about it, it really resonated with me a lot. Like uh, what's actually happening thematically and narratively. Like it's not just well, I mean, you could take it as a silly sleek concept on its face that just has an excuse for action the guy he, he fucks with bees you know like but like uh what, what you know what, what they kind of describe when the kind of the world building around it has some really interesting um layers to it um and i think um you know talking about david ayer i actually have been a big fan of his in part and, and partly because he is so well maybe some say controversial but um what fuck is weird but like i i understand why he's weird and the weirdest he talks about, I fully understand his this mindset. Uh, because just for and we'll get into his background as well. Um, people who don't know he's a former military. He's he's, he's a Navy uh, veteran. Well, Navy veteran. Um, specifically, he was in a submarine crew. I've met a couple submariners uh, during my in my in my travels, and them focus is off it. Like you, you got to be a weird kind of dude. You got to be a, of a special breed to commit yourself to living in a and a giant metal tube that can kill you at any moment for a long period of time. Like, just the mentality of that kind of thing 
is not for the common person. And that attitude, that mentality, you can see it in his films. Um, and that and the um, this is his fascinating, the, the his fascinating vision about military service or military service members. Uh, all I'll just say, like just ask the, the 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 summary up front is that um, just as Michael Michael Bay is kind of misunderstood to to me as like a this military propagandist, where actually has a really interesting takes on both the military and humanity at large. I think Ayer arrived in a similar wavelength, honestly, such that I, I really actually at this point I think he is kind of coming on that that le that level, not just as a director in a technical sense, but in a narrative sense. Just one quick example, like you know, um, one of his films, Parse Times, one of my favorites with uh, Christian Bale. I think this came out back in two thousand five or six. Um, right, you know, just during the earlier years of the um, Iraq occupation, and that's kind of honestly one of the um, proto prototypes of what I refer to as the uh, the, the subgenre of military veterans become armed robbers. Like he, even back then, he had the, he understood the mentality of this kind of psychosis and this thuggery of our modern times as it applies to the how the 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 armed wing of the or the armed apparatus of our government works and the kind of inherent insanity behind it he got it back then because he's part of it and he's kind of insane and the, only, only now we're seeing that in other movies so yeah all I was to say I think he has a lot going on in his in his head and in his films that people just either dismiss or just don't understand dismiss don't understand or they take it on its face as offensive when it's really a lot more than that. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm saying all that because like I, 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 the more I think about the, the beekeeper, the more I read, I it resonates. The more I think it's kind of kind of brilliant. Um, again, it's if you want it to just be a silly ass action movie, it's totally that, and you're good to go. But like, yeah, you just just um, I think this is a pretty, pretty special story, and I, I don't want to. I I guess in our conversation today, I want to impress upon people that there's a lot going on here that you, that you don't you don't want to. Take for granted. So yeah, I, yeah, I just really like this is right. The second movie I've seen in theaters this year is already one of the top. You know, this is like this is one to beat. You know, <laughs> a lot going on. It's great. Yeah, I I have a I'm somewhere between the two of you when it comes to David Ayer. Um, I I have very complicated feelings about him. I tend to either really like his movies or I really don't like them. Um, I actually think that. This is going to be probably my hottest take of the entire episode is um, I wish that Dark Blue had gotten the accolades that Training Day did because Dark Blue is uh, so much. It, yes, it doesn't have Denzel's blistering performance. It doesn't have Ethan Hawke, uh, but it has so much more going on than Training Day that that. I wish that had been kind of his springboard uh, because for people who haven't seen it, dark blue is fucking great. Now Ayer didn't direct it just like training day. He wrote it. Ron Shelton directed it, but it's fucking great. And it's got a, an insanely great Kurt Russell performance. Um, but he's been hit and miss for me. Um, the one that I always sing the praises of that I think is really underappreciated is actually street Kings because uh douchebag scuzzy Keanu Reeves is uh, a great, great 
I like like if you've ever seen if you've seen the gift, if you've seen um what's the fucking Nicholas Wending Refn movie that he was in? Um Neon uh, Demon. Neon Demon. Uh and yep. like Keanu plays Scuzzy really well for somebody as as sort of let nice and likable, but then you've also got him contrasted with pre-Captain America Chris Evans trying to basically be Captain America. Like that movie really works. I, I love that one. Um, I don't like Harsh Times. Sorry, Vice. I really don't like End of Watch. Um, and part of that is because, again, people know what I do for a living. I know entirely too many people who have made End of Watch an identity. Like that movie is their identity. Um and that's a bad thing. Um, you know, <laughs> that's that is not a good thing. Um, but nonetheless, I do think he is a skilled director. There's there's no doubt in my mind in terms of just pure technical uh, know how he is a skilled director. What I love about the beekeeper and our good friend of the show, Pete Volk, has a great interview with him in Polygon where Ayer says there is a time for grounded reality and there is a time to just go crazy. And the beekeeper is air just going crazy. I have seen this as a criticism of this movie, and I cannot wrap my brain around it. The amount of bee puns in this movie are fucking chef's kiss. Look, if you're going to make a movie called The Beekeeper, where your main character is a beekeeper, a literal beekeeper, he tends to bees, but is also an ex-covert agent for a group called the Beekeepers, you need to steer into those puns. Like, if you're not, like, this is not shit to be taken seriously. This is shit <laughs> that you can sneak, like you said, Vice, you can sneak in serious stuff. Because, again, for those, if you've seen the trailer, you know the plot is uh, tech bro scammers uh, steal Felicia Rashad's money and she feels so bad about it. Like, this is a thing that happens. This is a thing that I deal with every day yeah. uh, in terms of what I do for a living. So there's serious stuff there. But then you've got Jason Statham making puns about protecting the hive. I, I don't know. I, I, I like I sat there for the entire running time of this thing with an ear to ear grin, just absolutely like rolling in the joy of watching this movie like this is like you said diego this is an a4e ass movie uh because it's got a little bit on its mind and a whole lot of cool action shout out jeremy marinas and a whole lot of jason statham being jason statham um in a way that he you know vice you mentioned it you said there's movies with jason statham and there's jason statham movies and I don't think we've really had a Jason Statham movie since Homefront. Mm -hmm. This this feels like the first Jason Statham movie since Homefront. And it rules. It is a pure Statham movie. Like this one gets straight up highest recommendation for me. I, I loved this thing. I, I want to spoil it so bad because like I really want yeah. to get like let's do the, it. The, let's do it. Let's let's so if you haven't, if you're listening to us, um, based on the box office num numbers, you probably saw The Beekeeper. But if you didn't, 
stop, go see it, come back to us when you're done. I don't know how long this conversation will take, so I can't give you a time code. Uh, so just stop, go see it, come back to us. But yeah, we're going into spoilers in three, two, one. Vice, take it away. So the biggest thing I, I, you, you're going to hear um, with people's reactions to this, good or bad, is that, um, oh, this is, this is a John Wick. Well, and they'll use a different term. They'll say John Wick um, influenced, John Wick clone, John Wick knockoff. There's something there about something in that realm. And that's not uh, inaccurate, but it's part of it is that um, it pulls from so many movies. There's maybe like two specific elements of the Beekeeper that are, that are obvious or direct either parallels or, or um, influences from the John Wick series. But this is just the same. There's so many other parts that are from other, uh, the, the, the whole like spectrum of revenge action films from the past, you know, 40, 50 plus years. So it's all there. So it's not just that, and even and, um, but also just you know, and I kind of mentioned it in my in my thread too. Like you know, there's like video game stuff here, there's comic book stuff here. Okay. The Beekeeper the Beekeeper feels like a um, an adaptation of a graphic novel that never doesn't exist. It's that kind of that vibe and verb to it. Just so I, I, you know, just so out there. Um, like I, I don't know, like a, a Matthew Vaughn or something. Like that. It just feels like that 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 energy. Um, but yeah, but so it has all these elements to it. Um, but one of the things that I just so and as you hint, as Mike virtue in the, in the by the trailer, the beekeepers are is like the code name or the the, the code classification for this like um, elite level of um, uh, secret agents. But they're not just like secret agents, like spies per se. It's like kind of a uh, oh. So my comparison one. This is not John Wick with bees. This is um, Tom Clancy's the, the Division, starring Jason Statham. So for those who don't know that that game series. Um, the division in Tom, this Tom Clancy's uh, world they created for this game series, they're like the um, super secret last line of defense for like uh, if America it has fallen or there's a cataclysmic emergency, they are a secret group of uh, undercover uh, or like uh, sleeper sleeper cell agents who, um, when given the call, they take up arms to uh, make sure that the country uh, survives. They they, they keep uh, they they keep or they uh, defend the constitution or the the government structure in like you know like a extinction level land or like a the fall of, you know fall of man kind of situation in the game what happens is it's a uh super super pandemic a virus you know kills like hundreds of millions so you know the, the world the world is kind of left in shambles so you as a player in the game you're the character you're just like a um wandering like super secret sheriff kind of thing where you uh, go around uh killing all the um like mad max factions or whatever but also like you also and it has a whole like being a tom Clancy property has a very convoluted plot about with uh between like a uh, government uh, or secret cabals and high tech AI all this stuff you know it's Tom Clancy it's bullshit but you the point is that you um kind of keeping keeping order in the remnants of civilization and that's kind of how it goes and you and you and your agents actually have either conflicts or outright you know fight each other over, over this how this is how this is supposed to happen so that's a big part of what the beekeepers this, this concept in this movie is about. Um, and even you go to kind of somewhat great lengths to describe why this is um, getting with the kind of the game comparisons. So it's kind of like a, almost like a Assassin's Creed lore behind it. Like it goes back throughout history. And so they kind of describe Jeremy Irons as a character in the movie. And he describes the beekeepers as um, uh, bees, the, the actual the, the, the insects, the animals are integral to the basically the uh, survival of human civilization because Without uh, bees are integral to uh, 
agriculture, crop, uh, you know, pollination. Without agriculture, no civilization. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the whole, so like the bee represents the order of civilization, not just the, you know, not just the actual hive mechanics of what bees do, but their actual purpose in the natural order of our existence. And so this, this secret cabal of, of, of agents, they're meant to be like these kind of guardian bees that keep this structure whole to preserve society. So the whole thing is that, yes, Jason Statham does a typical out-of-retirement badass thing, but the way he plays it, him being a beekeeper, like he plays it like with the conviction of like a, a, a warrior priest. The, like the bee puns you mentioned before, like he, he's always, he's bees in the brain. Like he refers to the hive constantly, like the, the whole like, uh, the whole concept of protecting the hive. He means that shit. Like he, he is like, yeah, he, he, the character, he presents, plays the character like, uh, he definitely feels like he is this, the last, uh, a linchpin of civilization and the acts as such. But then it kind of, that's where, where the revenge comes Of course, like any good revenge movie, it becomes personal. So then he goes off the rails, go off the rails and into this slaughter spree that we, that we see. Because, and another key point, just do not fuck with Miss Hustable. If there's one thing you do in an action movie, don't fuck with Hustable. And so, oh, because of course that sets him off. But yeah, just like a, for as silly as the concept is, I really like that Satan took it, he takes his character, Adam Clay, he takes it deadly seriously. And that's part of one of the, again, one of the charms of Jason Satan is that, um, he does the silliest, dumbest shit with the straightest face. That's why it works. Like, you know, uh, the movie Spy with uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy kind of uses that to their advantage for kind of like, he says the wildest shit, but he's, he's, the character is serious about it. But it's, but it's here, it's the same thing. It's like, um, he's, he's so committed to the bit, as it were, that that's what makes the bit work because he, he's not just like a winking to the camera, like, oh, I, I, uh, uh, to be or not to be. Like, he, he, he means this shit. Like, he is a true believer. Oh, oh, but in a way, almost where it's like, um, because the inside incident is the death of his beloved friend, you kind of get the sense that he's kind of lost it. Like he's, he's, he's like a switch has been turned off and he's kind of going off program a little bit. But in, in the other part of it is that, um, I, I tell you that they have these, these details in these world building, but they don't really, they only go so far. It is kind of establishing what the, the plot is. And the movie does not explain any further about the mechanics of the beekeeper and the hive and the world. Is it? Is this the beekeepers? He's one of them. Go. But in that kind of blank space and the way Statham plays it, I just found it just kind of let my imagination run wild. We're like, um, it, I, I, it's not just this um, bloodthirsty action movie. There's like a space to think about and ponder these ideas of what he's doing, and especially because Statham is playing it so earnestly. Like uh and well and I I'll, I'll talk about some more like this he's uh, oh I want to tell real quick I want to tell the um interview by um Adam Naiman uh he did on the Ringer also did an interview with uh, Satham and kind of did a retrospective of his career so far where he kind of and he kind of highlights how Satham's iconography is just a taciturn badass he's very he doesn't emote pretty much ever in his films um so but and he, so and in that though he's never really vulnerable or like um. Uh, he doesn't really extend into drama too much. And Statham in his in life again kind of a, a miss of this. Like he he was still, you know, played to his strengths. But I really think that he has probably some of his his best dramatic work here as well. In insofar as he he does a lot with so little. He, he doesn't 
you know, he doesn't like, you know, cry or emote, but like this, the small gestures in his facial act, acting is like, uh, and plus, you know, also of you know, that you, you, you can start, start to see his age a little bit now. It's, I, think, I think he's uh, 54 now and he, he's kind of ageless in most of this film, but like now you can kind of start to see he's an older gentleman. Um, and he, and he has, you can see that, um, like with the best actors, that real life time being worn on his face, he's, he's using that to his, his ability. He's still the same, you know, safe and badass, but like you can see it, that that weathered weariness a little bit, which again informs the character who's kind of, who's passed that life and not has to go back into it. So yeah, I just kind of, I'm emphasizing there's a lot of little things going on here that um, if you if you have the eyes to see them, I guess, they really kind of enrich, what, otherwise it's just a simple, you know, bloody, good time experience that you can just kind of watch and forget if you so choose to, which is which totally, you know, totally um, your prerogative. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, as the movie goes on, all the little little weird plot twists about, you know, the the tech bro and the and AI and, you know, the, the, the people on top, you know, all this stuff coming together. I'm like, this is a kind of fascinating kind of just tr treaties on, on, on the modern world and, and the, the, the who, who is considered the, the powers that be in the, the week we're being created upon how the, the the details of how that dynamic has changed over time but yet the dynamic itself still persists all throughout history and it's how this kind of this new expression of it so yeah I, i'm i'm actually poetic about the fucking beekeeper but like I, it, this is the way it really it really got me you know i, I got my got my gears going you know i was like there's some stuff going on here that i'm really i'm really happy to like just just to be able to explore that and what I thought would be a, just a dumb action movie, and you know, again, it is too. But like, there's more than that too. So yeah, just yeah, I, I, I really, I really enjoyed this, not just as a great action movie, but just as a great story, the narrative, it's thematically, what's what's happening. There's a lot here to enjoy. I felt like I was getting preached the gospel right now. That was incredible. <laughs> and, you know, I, I I I only regret coming on this podcast because usually I listen to you guys like when I'm on my way to work in the morning on Monday. And now I'm like, I, I can't listen to myself. That's like conceited. Uh, or maybe I could. I don't know. Maybe it's not conceited. But yeah, that, that was that was amazing. And you've made me appreciate this movie even more. Because I agree, <laughs> it does have stuff on its mind. And I, I think what makes The Beekeeper so interesting to me right now, too, is that like when you get like a revenge movie, um, and like this isn't a hang up for me, but I know a lot of people are like, oh, the action's more conservative genre, it's fascist, whatever, to solve all your problems with violence. And I'm like, it's not real. Um, that's <laughs> that's not it's just not real. Um, <laughs> which, but you know, whatever, hang ups, whatever, like who these fictional narratives determine is uh receives the tail end of of justice, like like vengeance as justice, right? It like something like John Woo's recent Silent Night, which I finally saw and enjoyed, but I was like, maybe, maybe you'll you'll be like, hey, there's a lot of like, like brown people getting shot in this. <laughs> um, like, you know, if that's like a hang up for you, I I get it. Um, and this one, it's like, no, no, it's like these fucking dweeby white people at the top uh, <laughs> controlling like these tech demographics and yeah, fucking Martin Martin Shkreli. Like he's fucking yeah. going after Martin Shkreli, right? Like, yes. like we can all get along with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was just like, you know, that's, that's, that doesn't make, that's not what makes the movie good. It does make it really interesting to me and frankly refreshing, you know, again, as someone who has had hangups with David Ayer's, film interests and yeah. and choices 
uh, with with casting and certain quotes of his. Um, but again, like it, it what makes the movie work is not just that it's it's that David Ayer is like he's he's not like a hack. I've never felt that he's a hack. I just I don't think his movies came together very well for me, um, unless it was something like Sabotage. Uh, but and that's the inverse of this because that is like oh, oh it's it's partly like an A cab movie, but it's also just like really vile and disgusting. Um, and it kind of has to be. And this one's like I don't feel like gross and disgusting after this. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Jason Statham does kick ass. Like, why don't we let him do this all the time? And I'm like a Meg two defender. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel like I haven't gotten this in a long time and it's like really righteous justice or something like Wrath of Man, yeah. which is, you know, one of Guy Ritchie's masterpieces. Um, But that's not like a hoorah. Fuck. Yeah. That's like, God damn. I need like a cigarette. I don't even smoke. <laughs> but like, Jesus Christ. But this one, this is something you can just show to like everyone. Be like, you want to see Jason Statham fuck some dudes up that really deserve it? Mm-hmm. Like th- this is. This in in that sense, I didn't consider this until we started recording, and you you brought it up, Vice. But yeah, this this is maybe top tier Jason Statham goodness. Mm-hmm. Like it's his brand, but it's also like accessible. You know, I don't have to convince anyone to watch a movie called The Beekeeper, maybe because like you're either gonna get it from that title or you're not, and yeah. that's okay. You know, <laughs> different strokes. That's all. <laughs> it. For me, it actually really reminded me. So people who listen know that my favorite TV show of all time is Leverage and written by the the great John Rogers. Um, and John, when Leverage was running, he used to have a blog where he would talk about the real world influences that this team, for those who don't know, Leverage is about a team of criminals who take down very, very bad people. Uh, the the tagline of the show is sometimes bad guys make the best good guys. And uh, and he would talk about how all of the villains in the in the show were based on real world analogs. And he had to actually step down their awfulness because people would not believe it because they were so awful in real life. That that like you, it would defy belief. And I kind of feel like the beekeeper is doing that sort of same thing, right? Like these tech bros, this this entire world of these scams and stuff like that. It's so much worse than what most people realize. And it's so much more awful than what most people realize that I almost feel like the movie's a little tamer than it needed to be but the reality is i don't think we as an audience would have bought it if it was the reality but on the flip side air nails the joy of watching statham dump cans of gasoline over a call center uh of these fucking this fucking boiler room these these scammers dump (laughs) cans of gasoline over it and blow it up like there is a real wish fulfillment like this is a real for anybody that's ever had somebody who's been scammed or been scammed themselves there is a real wish fulfillment in this one in a way that there isn't in something like silent night where like sorry i've never really encountered a cartoonishly evil mexican gang that I've needed to <laughs> dedicate my life to poorly training to take out um but but I have dealt with scammers. I have dealt with people who 
I mean, the amount of times that I've had to had to fix my parents' computer because my dad clicked some dumbass button and got, you know, the computer monster, like the, the computer virus. Like I had to, I've had to wipe more hard drives for my fucking parents than I can count. Right. So yeah. we all have this understanding of what this is and what he's doing. I, other- I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I just, on that point, I just want to put so fascinating again, Part of how Satan conveys this, the speech early in the beginning where um, he's talking about, he, and he's, he's so, he said this so solemnly, like um, he says, uh, whenever a child is hurt or abused, there's usually always an adult who can step in. But the crime, the worst part about when, when an older person gets abused or hurt, nobody, they just get forgotten. And, we, and I think we all know that in our hearts to be true. And just to see Jason Statham, of all people, saying that to us, the audience, so earnestly and, and with like the fire in his eyes when he says it, like, it's like, I, I don't know, it was something about that. Like, like that's, that's, one of, that's one of those moments where like, that's where like, yo, there's something else going on in this movie. This is not just some like bullshit, like action film. There's some shit going on. It's some real shit going on. Like, and, it, and like, it wouldn't work if he just kind of said it offhandedly. Like, he's, he's a directly replying, like, again, he constantly says, you know, have to protect the hive, the hive, the hive, the hive. He's saying like, almost like a, like a mantra again, like like I, I bring up this um these comparisons to like uh clergymen, like he, he's a, he again a true believer, like this is his this is his uh mandate from heaven to do this thing. So when he's saying you know I, yeah like like you're saying us personally like us here in the real world like we have to deal with people hurting our elders and it's it's, it's a very frustrating it's a very painful thing because like. You know, you you would think one would think an adult can take care of themselves, but we know that's not the case in a lot of times, just for various reasons. And so when he's saying this to to his friend's daughter, uh, to it to us, it's like this is serious. Like, so and that, that just with him saying that, yes, you can laugh and you can laugh at his um B puns, but it kind of lets you know where this movie's going. He's like, I am with. I will be the people's champion for you for this next hour and a half. Um, like this is serious insofar as what I'm trying to do was to have a good time with it. And I, and just that, like this, just that moment just takes this again, like this top tier of state movies, movies, it's puts it on another level that they, they're committing, they're, they're committing to this spiritual premise in a way with this <laughs> great fucking insane cartoonish action. So yeah, they, yeah, that's yeah. I, it, I keep thinking about that line when he says it and how he says it, and how it just what makes part what makes the movie so great. Two things on that. One, you reminded me of a spec I wrote years ago about a covert ops team called the clergy, and they all <laughs> had each each one of them had code names. Their code names were like bishop, deacon, preacher, priest, stuff like that. And they were called the clergy because they sent people to meet their maker. I need to dig that out because that shit was fire. Um, but that anyway. sounds incredible. <laughs> I got to find it somewhere. Um, Let's steal. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is, is I've seen some criticisms about the, the, the literalness of he's a beekeeper who also keeps bees. But I think you hit the nail right on the head. Like, he is the beekeeper. We meet some other beekeepers throughout the movie, but he is 
the beekeeper. He is the one who is the, and so he takes this, the reason he's a real world beekeeper in his retirement is because he takes all of that shit so seriously. That is who he is. Of course he's a beekeeper. Of course he believes in protecting the hive and cultivating the hive and stuff like that. Like, I know it's literal. It's it's like Jeff Johns level literalism, but like it's it works if you actually engage with the movie instead of watching it from like this ironic detachment yeah. that so many people watch these movies from. Like it wouldn't make sense for him to be like, I'm the beekeeper and I work in a fucking garage. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like that doesn't make sense. Like that might work for other beekeepers. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I love too, really quick, and then Diego, I'll kick it over to you, is I love that the beekeepers are somehow like super governmental. That like like and they don't really like like you said, Vice, they build the world, but they don't dwell on it. They're like they send the one beekeeper after him, and then they're like, No, you know what? Fuck it, we're out. Yeah. Like we're yep. out like we're we, we, so like the president can't order them to do this. They have like their own independent authority and they're just like, nope, we're fucking done. Like, yeah. deal with your own shit. Yeah. And I, to that, I'm sorry. Diga, I, I, I don't want to cut you up. But I, I just I no, got to impress. Go, go, go. I got to impress. From like, like, a, you know, when they, when they say that the um when Jeremy Irons character is describing the history of bees, whatever the fuck, like Jason Statham is like. I, it, I almost imagine like I, I talked. Uh, I tweeted this to um, Vern. Uh, Shout to him. And uh, you know he was he was saying about the whole beekeeper thing, the actual like the, the job of it. And I said it, it reminded me of um. It's kind of like when um in Judge Dredd, when a judge at the end of his tenure has to take the, the long walk. Like they the the characters. Well, I haven't read the comics, but the movie at least you know, which is probably a bad reference. But um, they it's, they, it's not for the long walk. The long walk is absolutely a thing that's in the in the comics. So you're good. Yeah, yeah. So like the, some of the characters in that movie, at least they don't really they don't really believe it, quote unquote. But Judge Dredd, or you know, in this case, Stallone, but the, the Judge Dredd, the character, he's like, yes, he he is. That is unquestionable. His faith is unwavering. He believes in his heart. When when his time comes, if he doesn't die. He has to go out to the wasteland and bring the law to Lola. He believes that shit. And like I think that Statham, Adam Clay, the beekeeper, like he's like, it almost seems like um, if you manage the, I guess in, in in the charter, if you manage to survive your tenure as a beekeeper, you must still preserve society. So like in his mind, he's like, I I must make sure bees are exist for society to continue. So I'm gonna keep the fucking bees. Like he, like I yeah, I I really got that from this performance. He's like he believes it to the to this in his very soul. And he is protecting civilization and in this and then, then he kind of explains that in various ways like when he going when he when he does his, does his first um his first rampage and he's kind of lecturing the bad guys you know you take from innocent people uh she was a school teacher you know she had a charity like whatever whatever circumstance that they don't explain that got him to meet Felicia Rashad's character that you, you get you got to think that that was part of why he did that in the first place like she, he believed in this person defending society upholding society that's kind of you can only imagine that's part of why he's there in the first place and so to see that taken from to see that taken out of the world that like that, that kind of thing which which set a clergyman like this off you know <laughs> like he has to he has to he, he has to fix this sin and yeah just, again this is, is this bloody action and it's like you know fun rent but like I, I i could just i feel it like i feel this like conviction 
in this character of the movie that's like driving this whole thing that like, you don't really get in other movies like this. No, I mean that that's a great point, and like to to also just like stick to the that moral justice angle that this movie offers that sometimes these types of movies don't like. I think it's also really important to like look around at like the other action heroes of now, not just specifically for revenge movies, but like you know, this is not me going to be criticizing superhero stuff. Um, Guardians three made me cry like so fucking hard last year. I'm not. I'm full of shit. You know, at the end of the day. But, like, you have to look around and, like, what do these characters actually stand for? Not just, like, that you're a fan of these characters. Like, what is it that they're actually fighting for at the end of the day? Sometimes I walk away and I'm like, it maybe wasn't even the worst movie I ever saw. It was fine. But I'm like, I don't know what that person actually wanted the whole time besides what the plot, like, precipitated for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also why it's so important for not just him to be part of the beekeeping organization, but, like keeping bees and like because bees are so essential to the environment like you were just talking about but that is a, a great shorthand a goofy one like it just is kind of goofy right it's, it's a little silly <laughs> the beekeeper right it, it, it is it's fine um but they're so essential how many news reports do we hear now about like oh you know bees numbers are down or whatever and like oh like it's not looking good for bees this year and it's like hey that's we got to maybe let's have a real conversation about that in the real world at some point. That's getting a little yeah. scary, but yeah. that is so essential to maintaining the world, keeping certain things in balance, right? Preserving any status quo is not inherently good because sometimes the status is, or all the time, the status seems a little out of whack. <laughs> um, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but it's just a great way of showcasing that this dude is is more than just an angel of vengeance or something he's he is like a man who's here to to safeguard people and the world now he's a little he's a little strange but whatever <laughs> you know not every hero is gonna be captain america that's totally <laughs> cool and that's what also gives it a little bit of an edge and kind of exciting you know it uh it's got some dirt under his fingernails which i really like and the beekeeping organization i think that is actually why I would concede a little bit to like, oh, it's a John Wick, like, quote unquote, clone or ripoff. I'm not like, to me, that's not a criticism. Like, if, if you're going to steal, steal from the fucking best right now, you know, like, whatever. Because <laughs> um, that feels like very uh, John Wickian. Uh, although it is very funny that, yeah, they send the one other beekeeper after him. And then after that, they're like, nah, yeah, not, not, that's your guy's business. Because, um, like, imagine if that happened in John Wick. We're like, oh, okay, um, the bad guy from the first movie, uh, I, M Mikhail Nickvist, I think is the actor, right? The late yeah. Nickvist, yeah, uh, R.I.P. If it, like his first group of guys died, he's like, yeah, son, <laughs> you're fucked. Sorry, I, I can't, I'm not going to send all my guys after you. Like that'd just be the franchise. It's like half an hour long. He's like, yeah, all right, thanks for being my kid. Here, fuck off now. You're going to die. <laughs> like that would be kind of amazing. Um, yeah. and it's just. Yeah, it, it's like, I guess if you want to like do a franchise out of this, that's how you could like do that. You just get into other beekeeper shenanigans. Um, <laughs> but like as it stands, like that's just a really interesting world building choice. Like, yeah, not not too much time spent in it, but it's like it's there. It's like okay, that's you get the gist of this dude is is, is has been a part of something much larger than the picture you're seeing, and these bad guys just fucked up and now they're at the tail end of 
whatever created this man basically and it, and it ain't pretty but yeah it was and a really I, good time yeah and i also want to again like i'm this is uh, this whole podcast i'm just reading way too deeply into the beekeeper but um like you know when, when they say like never uh, they say they they she we're told to um any driver's character that uh they decided to remain neutral and i kind of think about like um i it almost feels like how do i it's like adam clay in the character is like a he's gone beyond the call of what the keepers are and they kind of know that so then we see him in contrast to this like what is this this like gi joe cobra villain of, of a beekeeper <laughs> she's just fucking cyberpunk looking like a kung fu girl or whatever with the, with the minigun and like it almost feels like uh they would it, it was a almost was like it was an excuse to clean house like uh again none of this is in the movie in, in the text but like you can just kind of feel the little blank spaces you can fill in your like like uh they're like Oh, good. He get rid of that crazy before. <laughs> like, like he get rid of that problem child beekeeper for us. Like, cause like beekeeping ain't just about killing. It's about you know keeping order. And like when he does that, they're like, oh, good. He 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 get rid of that problem for us. Uh, continue. Like it's almost like um, whoever this secret uh council of beekeepers are, they were like, you know, he's he's doing he's doing the actual charter of our organization. So let's not stop him. <laughs> Because, yeah, again, like, again, this is a movie, but like, you just kind of feel that's where it's, where it's kind of going. Because, you know, like, and again, it's what we're now that we're in spoilers, like, uh, to even, to even, it, to even suggest that he's going to kill the president. Like, and, and he has the means to do so. Well, well I guess this is part, like, uh, this does kind of remind me of a John Wick point in part two, where he's, at, he's in the uh, hotel in, in Rome and he's like, uh, and Nero, Frank, 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 Frank asked him, are you here for the Pope? As if like John Wick could actually kill the Pope. Uh, so, like he's like, are you here for the president? Because you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that. That, that they they do kind of these little um, one could call them potholes. They're being unkind. But no, I think I think I think to me it's like just leaves room for the imagination to see. You know, to you can just imagine and, and ponder where this what's really happening behind the scenes. And I really appreciate it for that. No, I, I mean, I want to just defend that read, too, because, like, I mean, people read whatever they want in a movie subjectively or or they try to make it objective, whatever. I've heard, like, have you guys heard the Patton Oswalt thing about the Joker in the Dark Knight? No, no. Where he his he's it's not like a like a, a com, like super complex read, but he just saw the Joker as like, oh, like he he was either like, I forget exactly what it is, but like an agent of the government, like not sent by the government, but some guy who's gone through like a lot of training and stuff like that. Cause when he's getting tortured by Batman, he's like, oh, you never start with the head or whatever. Or like oh, yeah. the, I've, I've saw the this, tactics yeah. against it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, if you could read that into the dark night, I, I think you're completely justified in to read about the beekeepers using the beekeeper. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're not bringing that you're not pulling that out of thin air. You're reading something that happened in the film. So like, yeah, I, I didn't think about that either, but it's like, I'm thinking about it now. Like it's, <laughs> that doesn't come from nowhere, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, uh, I, I like that you brought up superhero movies, D because uh, obviously you and I have similar feelings on the Russos, but yeah. I think we, we, we do both agree that winter soldier is where the Russos were at their a game. And, and oh, yeah. I, I love the best line they ever wrote was cap telling fury. This isn't freedom. It's fear. And that, that to me is exactly the same kind of vibe that we've got going on in this movie is 
it Statham is the last. Yes, he's edgier than Captain America, but he is that. He is, as people say about Captain America, Captain America doesn't change with the world. He makes the world change with him. And and Statham's kind of the same way. And I love, too, that I got to shout out Jeremy Irons because they they set him up. You know, you think he's going to be, based on past movies, the grand mastermind. And no, he is just this this old retired dude who is so fucking fed up with these goddamn Zoomers <laughs> fucking this shit up and not listening to him. He's literally there in the entire movie to be Statham's fucking hype man. Vern, Vern has a term. It's like, how badass is he? And, you know, like On Deadly Ground has one. Waterworld has one of the best that's ever been written. Like, Jeremy Irons is literally in this movie to just say how badass is he over and over again. He's fucking he's fucking Paul Bear for Jason Statham in this movie. He's he's his fucking manager coming out of the ring and being like, now we've got the beekeeper. You know, like like it's so fucking great. Like I, I that is not how I expected this movie to go. And and I love it. And Josh Hutcherson, I do have to also shout out, plays just such an exquisitely shitty human being in this movie. He doesn't have a lot to do. I mean, it's not exactly the deepest character, but he's got the right vibe and the right, like, like I said, like Mark Zuckerberg, Martin Shkreli kind of just attitude of like, he can't even conceive of this fucking nobody beekeeper like destroying his world like he can't even wrap his brain around that being a possibility and that that is that is again one of the things that i think this movie does really well i think i i shouldn't say it's not getting credit for it it's got a 67 percent fresh rating on rotten tomatoes like i think people are vibing with this movie um but i the some of the criticisms that i've seen of it i feel like again like we often say vice aren't actually engaging with the movie. You're just treating it like a dumbass action movie called The Beekeeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to go long because I could, just, I saw the movie, movie all day, honestly. But um, it, yeah, it's, it's Jeremiah, like, the, the, like to, as the plot reveals itself, which again is like um, you, you would think it's a straightforward action burner, but then it's like actual like twists and turns as they were. Where you see like the he's the, this fucking tech bro is actually the son of the president, <laughs> and like uh and, and and so like going back to air for a minute like um I mentioned before like a lot of people a lot of people um they criticize him for being this kind of right wing propagandist, and like but I said like I think like Bay he has a lot more well nuance not maybe be the right word but um just more interesting things to say beyond that about the military and police force and arm arm the armed wing of the state and all that stuff, um. So the the politics, quote unquote, of this movie, is kind of that a level where it's like um, it it can be read by different different ways, by different wherever wherever side of the spectrum or aisle you're on, you have something to root for. It's kind of populist in that regard. So like you know, like so here the the uh, one of the main as you learn one of the main bad guys or or one of the main antagonists, the president of the United States herself, uh, and she looks the president uh, she looks like um. Of course, between like Hillary Clinton and, and Margaret Thatcher, Hillary Thatcher, like so, it kind of like just 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 by that, they combine this kind of animosity towards the left and toward the right to this one kind of overall like the she is the man, the woman, whatever. And uh, 
so like, and then you know, and so it's that, and her son is like, you know, uh, Elon Shkreli. Like it, they kind of jumble these. It's a scatter shot of these um big ideas about the the people in charge of the elites. One percent, quote unquote. What what that word means, or what that terms is different to people. So he kind of like does like a, a kind of a shotgun blast of it's all that, you know, it's all that they all represent that. So whatever, whatever, whatever. That that thing is the problem, and he, so he goes for it. So yeah, it was just kind of just like oh. it's really bold that he um decides to go that route. To like you know he's, he's like the the climax of the movie is he's going to um infiltrate Marlago to to kill the president's son. You know like it's <laughs> it's a very it's kind of all over the place, but it, it's all over the place. But yet it's still focused on this central kind of idea of these people in power, whoever they may be, are ruining things for for the little guy. Um, and then, oh, but also along with that, there's also the um, how he treats the military or the armed people themselves. Like uh, again, when Jerry Irons is he's, he has he, he uh, the character of Irons plays, he's a former former director of the CIA, so a big big you know big wig guy. So he calls his he calls his um um friends of former you know SEAL Team Six Delta Force op guys that he, that he knows to come kill the beekeeper. And he says, you know, okay, so you guys are all you're you're, you're uh, tier one operators, huh? Well, compared to the beekeeper, you're pussies. Like he, again, he's he's telling the, the beekeeper, but 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 then what you see is that, and again, his things like in fury and, and the watch, even you know, even though people get their own, well, people take the wrong things from that. He's kind of very plainly showing that um, through most of the movie, actually, the police and military are either useless or insane. And like it's it's a very interesting thing what, what he does like um so, like he one of the big the big action sequences uh, where he uh, slaughters basically the uh, the SEAL Team Six guys and with, with with no qualms with no like he is like they, they are not just because they're SEAL Team Six whatever they, they should be bad no he's like you're part of the problem that's kind of what, what, what he doesn't say this but like that's what's happening he's this the fact that the 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 CIA you know, it's George Bush, which is the director of CIA. The fact that people like this in power can get guys like this to do, do their bidding is a problem. And he's like, "Fuck that! I'm going to wipe you off the off the slate." And in the same way, and then in the same action sequence where he deals with the police, there's a part where the there's the SWAT team, the FBI SWAT team, is going to capture him, and he walks up to them outside, like saunters up to them. It's like that's a bad idea. Like he's taunting how useless they are to even try to catch him to try to contain anything, and we talked about I, I, we talked about this in the previous episode like you know I, I'm getting serious for a minute like uh, when we saw the things that happened recently or like the Uvalde shooting where the cop is an active shooter shooting kids in a school and we see we saw for the cops outside armed to the teeth doing nothing useless scared even and like it's like what are we paying y'all for like and so you see him like he sees like these this these SWAT teams armed to the gills with all their money and tactical bullshit. He's like, "You guys are useless. Like, this is what the tax papers, tax papers are paying for." Uh, uh, let me dispatch of you, and then let let you know how useless you are. Because they even say that after the fact that man, he, he kicked our ass. Like, so it's 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 just it's a fun action beat on its face. But again, it's like what's actually happening narratively. The matter is like he's showing that uh, all these things we have that so called you know supposed to uphold the law, they're either useless or upholding not the law, but the wills of the elite. And this is all expressed 
and this dope ass action sequence where a guy, where Jason Statham cuts a man in half in the elevator. Like that's how it's expressed. That's how this really poignant idea about the powers that be, the powers of state, is expressed. <laughs> Fucking, what the guy get cut in half? <laughs> like this is the level that this movie's on, and I really think I, I don't think people are appreciating this enough. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, we we do need to to move on, but Diego, any final thoughts on the beekeeper? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna echo your sentiment about Josh Hutcherson too, because he's kind of been one of my boys, and I feel like he he kind of went away for a little while. Like I know he was doing some some streaming show um, that I, I never saw, but like I always thought he was like really talented. Um, and he's kind of in his Hutcherson's era right now. I know he was in Five <laughs> Nights at Freddy, which I did not see. Um. But was a big hit, so I hope that works out for him. And and yeah, he's he's a great little fucking scumbag in this. Like <laughs> I I want to see him do more roles like this. Like really break away from um, like I guess what people remember him as. Uh, not that he, he was even doing anything wrong. It's just like you know when you're in a wife franchise, unless you're Jennifer Lawrence, people are gonna like pigeonhole you for a little bit. So I I hope he keeps trying stuff because he's a good actor. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just rooting for him. But yeah, th- this was. This was a really good time. And yeah, it totally has more stuff on its mind. If you're willing to engage with it um, in, in the cold month of January, you're looking for an action movie. You're it, it's a pretty damn good one. Um, I don't, I don't remember the last like pure action movie that came out in January that kind of had me buzzing like this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, all right, before we get to uh, the next movie that Vice and I want to talk about, because the plots are somewhat similar, I want to spend a few minutes talking about The Painter, uh, directed by uh, stunt person uh, Kimani Ray Smith, starring uh, How to Get Away with Murders, Char- Charlie Weber, uh, my problematic girl, Marie Avgaropoulos from The 100, and super problematic John Voight. Um, yet another mundane job badass charlie weber plays a cia assassin who has super hearing um that really doesn't come up all that much in the movie but he has super hearing he's basically daredevil uh and he uh ends up on a mission goes wrong he decides to leave i won't get into too many details and he becomes a painter he's an actual painter but his code name was also the painter and there's even the bad guy even has one of the bad guys even has a speech about, did you guys know this guy was actually a fucking painter? I just always assumed it was like a metaphor, but he's an actual painter. But uh, what ends up happening is his uh, believed to be dead daughter tracks him down and he has to protect her. Uh, John Voight is his handler slash surrogate father. Uh, it's a bunch of twists and turns. What makes it very similar to the beekeeper is there is also this program called the internship where the CIA is kidnapping babies and raising them to be assassins modeled after Charlie Weber's character. The idea is they're trying to create new painters. Um, and so here's the problem with the movie. This is actually a fucking killer plot. Like, this is actually a rock-solid plot. Like, I was all in on this plot. Everything about it is just kind of dull, though. Uh, I mean, it, it you do run the risk when you call your movie the painter of opening yourself up for reviews that say, 
watching paint dry would be more entertaining than watching the painter. It's not that bad. It's 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 a it's a two star generously two star movie, mostly because of the 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 concepts in it. Uh, but the problem is Charlie Weber is not really an action star. Uh, the fight scenes are well choreographed, but poorly executed. They're very slow. Uh, they're not, they're doing the moves for sure. And the moves look good, but it's, it's at such a slow pace that it almost looks like a warm up for like a real martial arts movie. Um, and it, it, just kind of doesn't have that you know the thing with the beekeeper is the beekeeper moves like you're never you're never down for more than like five minutes before something cool happens in that movie this doesn't have that that vibe um i will say it is a it is a and if if anybody involved in it is listening i apologize you guys tried your best like it really does have some great concepts and some great ideas uh, it is a Tubi ass movie. If you want to watch it, wait for it to hit Tubi and like a Sunday afternoon, watch it on Tubi, complete with the commercials and everything like that. And you will probably have an okay time, um, even though I can't really recommend it. And I really can't recommend it after I paid like $12.99 for it. But it is a Tubi ass movie. So like, uh, like wait for it to hit Tubi and if you want to check it out. But it does fit with this entire concept that we're working with. Um, so next one we got to talk about. The Bricklayer. Rennie Harlan is fucking back. Aaron Eckhart plays a masonry expert who is also a former CIA badass uh, who is known as the bricklayer. And literally his first line of dialogue in the movie is I am a bricklayer or I'm the bricklayer. And just like we do with Jason Statham, B metaphors in the beekeeper. What I want out of a movie called the bricklayer is, is Aaron Eckhart killing people with bricklayer implements and oh yes the amount of fucking bricks that he kills people with and the 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 masonry the trowel he like stabs so many motherfuckers with a masonry trowel like he's just stabbing so people with that trowel left and right um vice so <laughs> uh, diego i know you didn't see the bricklayer so just kind of hang out for a second and enjoy us uh gushing about this but vice your thoughts yeah, on the yeah. bricklayer yeah, uh, so here, um, it, it, doesn't, it definitely tries to be more um, engaging in the uh, strip-wise. Like, uh, here it's, uh, you know, we, we talk about the uh, politics slash morality of the movies. They are kind of, it's, it's the main the main uh, antagonist of the movie, his whole goal is to expose the CIA for doing their, like, assass political assassinations overseas, which is actually, like, a, a good, a morally upright thing to do, but he, just goes, by, he, but he goes about it by... Murdering journalists, so you know, oh, bad guy. Sorry, <laughs> but um, well, so you know, so in that regard, it does it is kind of um, a more quote unquote conservative, or rather, not no quotes, like conservative in the traditional sense type of movie in that regard. Uh, but still, the the movie the the story itself does have a, a couple of twists and turns, to, like make you think about about it more. And by, by the way, uh, Clifton Collins Jr., one of a, one of the great unsung actors of our generation. He's he's, he's always delivers in whatever he's doing. From like the big name movies, like the just the, the silliest slock, but he's always delivering. He's he's like the main uh, target here. But yeah, he has an interesting. Uh, you they reveal the interesting relationship between him and uh, the bricklayer um, in their past lives as CIA 
kind of assets, whatever. And so in the movie, he goes to go basically hunt him down to stop this, you know, just stop him from revealing the CIA secrets. And they bring along uh, Nina, Nina Dobrev as this kind of um, um, fresh-faced kind of CIA um, analyst slash, uh, who has no feel, feel, no feel experience. Um, so for me, I, I like that they, they try to um, make this an actual real story. You know, it's not just like not just a blanket basic uh, action movie. They're trying to actually engage with the ideas about you know uh, CIA and how it interferes with the sovereignty of states. Um, so it mostly works in that regard, but it's still a little, you know, at, at some point it kind of goes, gets gets a little lost in the weeds a little bit. But I like that they try to make a real story out of this. But for me, though, the movie where the movie kind of makes its money is the action. Again, Rennie Holland, you know, one of the greats who uh, hasn't been, um, some would say, has fallen off in a bit, at least uh, accolades-wise. But no, he still has, he still has, he has, he's had it as much as ever. So like uh just like like the first fight where he, the Brooklyn the bricklayer reveals himself I guess you could say um as a badass that he is it's just a one of the oh, it's a, it's a, I guess okay, this is like a top tier fight like uh it's like a it looks great um you know it's like it's in the rain on this on this roof it's kind of multi stage multi tiered sequence that become becomes an action set piece you know with like a falling elevator again and um yeah it just it's so the violence is so like rough and tumble and he's not. Oh I, well, we forgot to mention um, the actual action in the Beekeeper, but just like a, he's actually a good way to because it's, it's a good comparison. Statham in the Beekeeper, he's like he's as sharp as ever. Is it like his fighting form is so tight, and they kind of really emphasize the brutality of it, especially in the uh, final fight in the Beekeeper against the uh, crazy ass uh, chappy villain, <laughs> the South African guy. Um, you know, it's just he has a lot of like knives and stabbing and brute, like just uh, really well done. Like top, it's like it literally is top tier Statham. Um, with, with Eckhart though, I think Eckhart is actually really underrated, an underrated action actor in his own right. Um, that he, he was kind of, uh, kind of at a good level near Statham and any of the other, any of the other action guys. He's though he throws himself into the fights. He's like you know, down to he's brawling. He's a brawler, but he's um, it's a kind of a focus brawl. I don't know how to describe it. He's, he's rough and tumble. He's, he uses the environment around him. Bottles and chains, and but also like his own like a uh, bricklayer kit, his little his little satchel full of his implements, you know. And um, it's very kind of inventive violence, like the way the different um, environmental, both the environment and the weapons used. You know, it's, it's a really big palette of 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 mur murder implements. Yeah, yeah, and and so our Eckhart's kind of fighting style or the form you see in the, in the fighting in the movie in general, yeah, it's very um. Yeah, very visceral, very brutal, like very high impact, high impact stuff. Although it's funny, like um, it, it's I don't know if it's like a criticism or just like a a fun quirk about it. At some points, you can kind of tell that um people are literally walking up to Aaron Eckhart to like to to get into the like for him to like do his move on them. <laughs> so like, which is not I don't know. It's 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 uh it's, it's charming. It's charming. What it is? It's endearing because you know he's he's again he's an older man as well, you know, up in his fifties, and he's doing but he's doing really what. He's moving really well, doing really good choreography, um, you know, for for his age, as it were. But like, you know, he's he, he looks great doing it. But you know, sometimes it's a little, like, but you know, lots of movies have this. Like in John Wick Four, just now, you can see the guy, the goons waiting in line to get beat up. You know, so that's it's, it's more. It's a, yeah, I was going to say a, the the BYU kid who started with Neil LeBute movies is probably not going to look like Jason Statham in uh, <laughs> in in most of his action scenes. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but either way, like um. 
Aaron Eckhart likes Ethan fully commits to this character to this, in, in both the um both the drama and the physicality of it all. Yeah, and just yeah, I really enjoyed the the the, the action set pieces where I and again it's uh it's definitely a smaller scale, but well it's kind of a thing they they're from what I can tell for the most part it's a lot of on location shooting in in Greece from what I can tell. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong if you have the background details, but um, and they use they use that to the best of their ability, even though it's like a most whenever they have um wide, wider um wider set places to to do so, they do them to full effect. It's a really really fun car chase, for example, in like the, in like kind of winding streets. Um, but yeah, but uh, so even though for the most part the budget wise it's kind of a lower end of of the action spectrum, they still like they use it to the most the, the full effect. So yeah, so that's so that's for me. That's why where the fights is where it's kind of where the money is. You know, that they you can see that you can see the time and effort everyone put into those fights, and and the fights and the gun and the shootouts. You know, all all that it's it's really well put together, and I, that's that's really where the movie got me. And uh, but but also again, again like uh, I like that, I appreciated that they um, took the time to so take this story seriously. You can you kind of see. Um, and and, and Aaron, again, this is Aaron Rickard. He's he's not like some bum. Like he was a he, well. He has been in like mega big blockbuster movies. He's been he's a he's a star. He's a movie star, and he's that, that full gravitas he has, especially, especially now being older, to sell this this story. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, this, I, if else is a um, Aaron Eckhart uh, uh, top tier. Uh, if there's Stith movies, are there Eckhart movies? I think they are actually because he's, he's done quite a few number of. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You I, got. I gotta say one because uh, Aaron Eckhart, star of my favorite movie poster of all time. Yo, Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> for those that don't know, I Frankenstein, uh, the Spanish language translation for I is yo, individual. So, yo, Frankenstein is we, a movie poster that you can go out and buy. And yeah, it's the for greatest those, thing in the world. For those who don't remember, after Diego informed me of this, I changed my Twitter handle to yo, Frankenstein stan account for a while because I am actually an I Frankenstein defender because Eckhart fucking learned Kali for yeah. that movie like like he yeah. does he does the work um yeah. so for people wondering about this movie here's one thing a bit of background information this was actually supposed to be a gerard butler movie and it's actually produced by gerard butler he couldn't do it and so eckhart came in to do it so that tells you the vibe of what this movie is this is a jerry butts ass movie um that makes so much sense yeah yeah, yeah. and um but yeah, it was it, the other thing I really appreciated is, like you said, Vice, it's on the lower budget, but it does have a budget. This isn't a five million dollar, you know, movie. This is maybe a 10 or 15 million dollar movie. And you give Rennie Harlan 10 or 15 million dollars. He like I, I saw when this was coming out, some people that wanted to like shit on Rennie Harlan. And I'm like, look, I know he's had some misses lately, but motherfucker directed long kiss good night like he's a like this is not some hack taking on this movie here yeah and it shows um it was filmed but the other thing they learned is the same thing that like accident man 2 learned sniper grit learned um even we'll talk about it next week one more shot like film on location in cheap places and your movie will look a thousand times better this was filmed in bulgaria at their their mighty new boyana film studios there and on location in greece and it looks it it looks gorgeous it is an absolutely beautiful looking movie it doesn't there's not a fucking volume set to be found like it, it looks great um 
yeah, this this to me is uh, not quite as good as the beekeeper, but I think it's right up there. I mean, this mm-hmm. is if this had come out last year, it very likely would have ended up on my my 10 best action movies of the year list. I, I really loved this thing. And and for the uh, for the Vampire Diaries fans, Nina Dobrev is good in it. Uh, she's she's and she's still. Nina Dobrev, she's still fucking <laughs> fine as fuck. That's what she is. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's what she is. Um, <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson is in it, and he's 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 clearly just like buying a new car, but he's Tim Blake <laughs> Nelson, so he's incapable of being bad. Like he's he's great in it. Uh, but Vice, I'm glad you brought it up. Like Clifton Collins. So the whole plot of this is that Aaron Eckhart trained Clifton Collins Jr. and now. Collins has gone, you know, rogue and is doing all of this. And that's what, because Eckhart even has a great line. Like you said, Vice, there's a little more going on here where they try and bring him back in. And he says, fuck my country. I did my time. And, uh, and, you know, and walks away. But then when he finds out that it's Clifton Collins Jr., it's like he's got this moral obligation to clean up this mess that he helped create. And, um, but Clifton Collins Jr., first of all, the man can do, like the man can play any ethnicity, like any yeah. ethnicity in the world he can play, but he's also just, he's so good. He's so charismatic, um, you know, and, and he's a perfect villain in this, in terms of playing off of, cause he's a little more flamboyant than Eckhart, you know? So you get that good villain stoic hero versus, yeah. Like I, I really, really dug this movie. I, I really need yeah. to like impress upon people. I thought this was a, damn good time this is the kind of movie that reminds me kind of like we did with the channel last year where it's like this is the type of movie that's why this show exists yeah you know it went direct to video it's got good talent behind it and it really is fucking a good time at the movies and people really should check it out i i, I want to say i like how um eric Eckhart, he kind of how do i say this he um professionally negs universe character like uh it's such a like, like they they they, they kind of do like this um sexual tension thing, but then you realize that he has an actual other love interest in the movie. But like it's 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 it's, fun, it's like a fun kind of I don't know how to explain it. Not quite workplace romance per se, but like he, he kind of like there's a, he he jokes about it like um he's constantly teasing her, but not because like he's like trying to like knock on this girl, but he's it's more like um. It's almost women. like a big brother, little sister. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, like, like my tag along little sister. You know, I'm the senior in high school. My sister's the freshman, and yeah. she's like tagging along with me, and I gotta like put her in her yeah. place. Yeah, but, but like, like at one point, like, um, they have to go in. The, they have to use their their um, their cover. So he's like, uh, he changes it up. I'm I'm a um business magnate, and you're my wife. And she says, "Well, we're we're married now." And he goes, he tells her, uh, "Well." You're too old to be my, my girlfriend. They wouldn't. They wouldn't buy it. Like he just, he just so mean to say it to Nina Dobrev. But like, like that's 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 where it's his, his head. Like he's he's like he's here, but also at the same time as the movie goes along, he, and he kind of he sees that she does have raw talent. She's just not not experienced yet. He does kind of like you know give her their props. Like you know once he as she as she begins to realize the uh, what the real story is. He kind of congratulates her boy for you know figuring it out and like you know he sees that the, the the potential in her but yeah just really funny like, the way he does it like it's just, it's just yeah yeah not, it's not really romantic but more, more of a you know a platonic thing but it's just fun to see that because you know like they have chemistry but they don't use it to like do like sexual chemistry it's like, just like you know they're they're good actors they're good and the, the, the relationship of both the characters as 
Elder and you know Junior. There's them as actors. You know, Aaron Eckhart and Nina Brev. You know that that dynamic plays really well, and I really enjoyed that. Like this wouldn't really work if like if it was not them. Like they needed these um high level actors to do this to do this. Like you couldn't just get anybody for to make this work. So yeah, I really appreciated that they put the, everybody put their effort into this to make it work. Uh, I I want to say that I'm really happy to hear that Rennie Harlan's kind of got it again. Like because I I'm a fan like. I think before I used to be more like, oh, maybe he's never coming back, you know, like maybe he is just gone. Like, I haven't really liked anything from him in a long time. Uh, although his version of Mindhunters, I know it's different from the David Fincher one, but I have to specify it's different from the David Fincher show because people hear Rennie Harlan Mindhunters and maybe they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, is super fucking fun. It is incredibly dumb, but I recommend it. Go watch it. That's maybe the last one of his I liked. Um, it's just really great to hear, like, okay, he's still got juice in the tank. Like, I, I'm really excited to check this out now. Um, well, I and also, I didn't know Tim Blake Nelson was in it, so yeah. I, I love him. Yeah, he he plays Nina Dobrev's boss. He's like the FBI, the head of the FBI. Like, he's 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 great in it. Um, the unfortunate thing, I think, and I think maybe one of the reasons that I still felt like Harlan had it is uh, his best movie that he's done in the last, like, 10, 15 years before the bricklayer was a Chinese movie called bodies at rest with Nick Chung. That's a Christmas set diehard kind of action movie. And it's fucking incredible. It's just, it's Chinese. So it's hard, kind of hard to, to, to track down. You have to buy, I ended up buying the Blu-ray, um, but uh, it's, it's great. And so it is one of those things where it's like, he does still have it. I think the problem is some of the movies he's directed have maybe not been, like skip trace with Jackie Chan and Johnny Knoxville. Like anybody that knows anything about Jackie Chan, like directors don't direct Jackie Chan movies. Jackie Chan directs Jackie Chan movies. Directors are just there to put their names on it. And so like, it's not, it doesn't feel like a Rennie Harlan movie. It feels like a mediocre Jackie Chan movie. And this feels like a Rennie Harlan movie. This feels like his most like vibrant one since either mind hunters or 12 rounds like this is this feels like that kind of uh you know vibrant action movie um so i don't want to say he's necessarily back because who knows what his next movie is going to be but he still has it there is no question in my mind he's still got it he ain't he ain't forgot how to direct um he he's still got it uh we actually do know his next movie. It is a trilogy of the strangers. Right. He's doing the series. strangers. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. See that. I don't know how that's going to, I see. I, I don't know. I don't know on that, but, uh, but you know, as far as this one goes, he's still got it. So I, I do highly recommend everybody check it out. All right. We're going to wrap up really quick with just a quick discussion. So here's the thing. Vice and I kind of came up with this concept. This is the the idea of these movies is it's the mundane job having badass. And on the Discord, I kind of brought this up and people started throwing movies out. And I, I need to articulate what we're talking about here because there's a trope called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Badass. If you go, if everybody should be on TV tropes, you know that it basically means you've got the badass warrior who lives a life of peace and has to come out. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is somebody who is a badass who works an incredibly mundane job. And that job is definitive, important, essential to both their character and the plot. So you need to have Aaron Eckhart stabbing people with a masonry trowel. Uh, 
You have to have Jason Statham making beekeeper puns and talking about defending the hive. Uh, one of the ones that I think meets, even though it doesn't have the name of the job, is especially the first equalizer. Like Denzel working in a Home Depot is essential to that character. He literally fucks people up with Home Depot implements. <laughs> and the final showdown is in the Home Depot. Like, like that is essential to who his character is. The second one, he's a Lyft driver. And that's how he gets jobs. That's how he helps people as he finds them out while he's doing his Lyft driving. Um, so what are some oh, of the other ones? Quick. Vice, go ahead. Yeah. And then part three, I have, to make, I have to make sure we recognize this. The whole impetus, the reveal of why he takes down the entire like Sicilian mafia is because we learned that he went to go, uh, uh, old man in Boston, lost his pension through a computer scam, through an internet scam. So he goes to find, he tracks, he tracks down through the wire where the money went and he, lo and behold, he encounters this whole, whole mafia enterprise. I just, I just wanted to put that like, like, you know, people again. There's the John Wick is the beekeeper. No, no, no. Also, the equalizer too. Like it's all this. <laughs> so yeah, and again, but that speaks to the character. Like he's like he found out this through his his day to day job, and he found this person in need, and he goes on this kind of this epic journey just for this one man because that's how that's who he is. He everyone deserves help in this with equal size. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the other ones, Vice? I know you brought up. Uh, the Baker with Ron Perlman. I haven't actually seen that movie yet. Have you seen it? No, no, unfortunately I haven't. But um, but, you know, just I, I, I like just the as far as the concept was what we're talking about, like um, part of this mundane job thing is that um, well, so I, I did like a little uh, little image board on Twitter recently. Like I called the um, busy town ass movies. I guess that's the other the other alias you call these. But like um, the jobs that these people, the jobs that these characters do, are like they make society function. Like this on the grand scale in history, like the reason we have trades and crafts and stuff like fishmongers and, and butchers and, and bakers and like, because the way society evolved, like it, it was more efficient and easier to have other people be specialized in one thing. And we would then share in that, in that, in that labor and in, in that product and the product. Like that's the whole, the keystone of society is to be able to, this collective effort, you know? So yeah, so what we're talking about is like, um, the characters, like, they're not just doing jobs just because they actually are part of society uh, in a very key way. But that, and I think the other thing is that um, maybe nowadays we don't talk too much. Um, we don't think about how, like, even now, like, like right now, just sitting in my house, like, I, I got a, I got a gardener, uh, I got a guy who cleans my, my gutters, got the mailman, I got, I got the, um, the, the fire trucks, I got, you know, I got the, the the sanitation workers, like all this stuff. We that uh, we live in society, society. You know, like, it's, it's a meme, but like it's true. Like the, our lives could not function without all these basic services, plumbers, all this stuff. And so, uh, uh, oh, this is a tangent. This is why I like Paw Patrol so much because I mentioned it before. It's like um, it's baby's first civil civics lesson. It kind of explains to kids that the functions of society with, with, with the cute, two dogs drive cars. But yeah, like we, we kind of we kind of forget this how much we need each other, not just interpersonally uh, as as in our relationships, but like as a functioning culture. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's part of what we want to want to get. I think I, from for from my perspective, what I want to kind of add to this this subgenre. Is that it's not just they're not in hiding per se, they're part of people. They're not they're not like in a basement somewhere 
doing some some like you know they're not in a basement like fucking chipping the ice blocks or whatever like they're actually part they're among the people yeah they're not out in the woods you know like, yeah, like mark Wahlberg in, in shooter you know hiding out in the woods because yeah. he's retired like they're of yeah I, they're of society um that's one a, that's Diego, a really go ahead. great that's a really great point advice like because I was super into this when you guys were, were pitching this in the the DM and stuff like that. Um, I need to be more active on Discord in general, so I got, I'll I'll make sure to start doing that. But like, yeah, the 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 fact that everyone in these jobs is integral to society, these jobs are integral to helping other people in the world, whether or not their action titles right. Like everyone plays a very specific role. Like, not to get like too uh, 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 cynical, but I do worry about like. You know, because so much of new labor is like uh, behind computer screens or like optimized for like, oh, every, you have to do like three separate jobs in one job. Like I'm, I'm seeing like the future right now. And it's like, you know, we're not going to get like the bricklayer. We're going to get like the TikToker. And that's not me like <laughs> angry at the next uh, Gen Z or anything like that, because it's not that it, this is a systemic issue, obviously, mm -hmm. that trickles down. And and then everyone blames the youngest generation. That's not me. I'm just saying like, oh, man, like. <laughs> We, we got stuff to work out in the real world. That's all I'm saying. God bless Gen Z. Um, but one <laughs> of the first ones that the first movies that uh, came to mind uh, when you guys brought this up for me was the original mechanic movie with Charles Bronson. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know how many people are familiar with that movie anymore. I think more people are familiar with his Death Wish stuff. But I actually think the mechanic is like my favorite Charles Bronson, like leading man movie. I don't wow. know if that's like a hot take. Um <laughs> Uh, I I saw it when I was like younger, probably too young, but it's like it's really grizzled and like depressing. I think he's on like antidepressants in the movie, even for like the 1970s. It's just like an insane thing that maybe wasn't as commonly talked about publicly like it is now. Um, and you know, like the the, the mental health of this character is like not good. He has like a uh, like he's part of society but like also internally he's not he's he's by himself a lot of the time he has like this fake relationship with a call girl just to simulate his existence in the real world like it's it's a fake connection so he can feel connected and i don't know there's like so much going on in that movie and i think it kind of gets dismissed as like just an exploitation film like and it kind of kind of is a little bit um but again there's 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 stuff in there that is like i feel like that movie needs to be rediscovered by people because there's there's just so many little tidbits uh and, and bronson's like really like i it, it's one of the, the the best interpretations of like toxic masculinity but i think it's accidental i i think he thinks it's cool <laughs> But it's like it's really fascinating, you know, intention versus like uh reading for for a performance. But um yeah, I'm a huge fan of that movie and I it only really hit me after uh prepping for this podcast. Yeah, no, it, it and and the Jason Statham remake does not, I think, hit as much because that still feels very much like a Jason Statham movie in a way that the beekeeper isn't. But yes, the original Bronson one, if people haven't seen it. And you've got Jan Michael Vincent just being an absolute piece of shit in that movie, which Jan Michael Vincent was good at because he was just playing himself most of the time. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, no, that's that's one. I've got a couple I want to I want to shout out. Uh, one is a very, very underseen movie from 2016 called The Bus Driver. 
directed by directed by um, Brian Herzlinger. It doesn't really have anybody of note in it, but I just want to read you. It's got Robert Forrester in it before he died. It may have been, even been his last movie, but I want to read you the tagline from the poster. So obviously the main character is a school bus driver. Drug dealers attack a group of troubled teens when their bus breaks down in the desert. The tagline for the poster is his job was to drive them. His mission is to save them. Come on. That shit is. Uh, yeah. So basically our bus Perfect. driver is an ex badass. Robert Forrester is actually his former boss. He's retired. He wants to just drive a school bus because again, vice, like you said, he wants to be of society. He wants to help and this goes wrong. And then, the whole thing is, is yeah, he fucks up all these drug dealers and Robert Forrester is like, we have jobs for you at the end. You know what I mean? But like, it's not great. It's very, I mean, it's a, got a 3.6 rating on IMDb. I liked it better than that. It's made for a dollar 50, but it's, it's <laughs> just the concept again alone. And the, the school bus becomes a major part of the movie. I mean, there's chase scenes involving the school bus and stuff like that. Like it's, it's again, it's integral. What he's doing is integral to the plot. Um, the other one uh, I would be remiss without mentioning, because of course it's, I got to mention a Scott Adkins movie somewhere here. Scott has a bunch of Crouching Tiger hidden badass movies. Eliminators, Legacy of Lies, um, Seized, all of those. The only one that really fits this category, but I do think it fits, even though it doesn't have a cool name like The Contractor, is Castle Falls, where he's a construction worker who ends up in shit. And then again, that's very integral to the plot because they're fighting through this building that's about to be demolished and they've got to get out before it blows up. Um, that's a similar one. And then the last thing I want to mention is not even a movie, but for those who don't know about 15 years ago, Richard Branson's Virgin created a line of comic books called Virgin comics. And the entire concept of Virgin comics was they would bring in famous filmmakers to lend their name and pitch a super high concept. And then they would get actual comic book writers to write the story. So you had like John Woo's seven brothers that was basically based on uh, seven samurai. Uh, you had uh, M night Shyamalan's uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's based on Indian mythology. Uh, you had Jenna Jameson's shadow hunter, which I still can't quite <laughs> wrap my brain around, but that's a comic that exists. <laughs> but the one that fits this is Guy Ritchie's gamekeeper. Let me just read you the, uh, I am or the Wikipedia synopsis. The man known only as Brock lives a quiet existence as a gamekeeper on a secluded Scottish estate. The tranquility is disrupted when Russian paramilitary mercenaries storm the estate and kill Jonah, Jonah Morgan, Brock's friend and owner of the estate. To avenge Jonah's death and protect the secret, secret equation, Brock must turn predator and journey deep into an unfamiliar urban underworld. Um, shit's good. Like guys, track down Gamekeeper. Shit's good. It's it's awesome. Um, written by the great Andy Diggle, who wrote The Losers and 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 a bunch of other stuff. It's not actually written by Richie, but it's good. Uh, but the, the again, the whole he uses like crossbows and shit, and he like tracks people <laughs> down like they're fucking foxes. Like like it's again, what he does is integral to the plot and the characters. So. Those are my pitches for that. Um, Vice, do you have any others you want to throw well, in? It's a, it's kind of a, a kind of confession that I'm 
one of the movies that I haven't seen yet that I had to I had to cross up on this is a film we, we talked about in um The Accountant, Ben Affleck in that one. I so I don't unfortunately, sadly, when we get my, my card revoked, I haven't yet seen it. But um I think from what I understand, there's a similar kind of theme where like he has this mundane job. It's actually part of his part of his uh toolkit. He's a real accountant, but also he like cooking murders goons. Is that, is that more or less the yeah. uh, extent of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's his cover, but he actually does like do accounting jobs like he helps elderly people with their taxes and stuff like that so mm-hmm. like it's it's again and and it's it's built in not great in this regard that he's autistic that's why he's so good with numbers but that's mm-hmm. also why he's so good at killing people because he can objectively like analyze them like their numbers um <laughs> and uh but it's it's Gavin O'Connor who's never directed a bad movie in my opinion and uh and uh it's got Anna Kendrick and and most importantly John Bernthal plays uh his rival slash spoiler I won't I won't reveal it but uh but John Bernthal is the antagonist not the villain in the movie mm-hmm. and uh and he and Affleck play great together. D you've seen The Accountant, right? I have and it was at that time, I think it was like 2016 where it was i would tend to brush up against problematic elements more so i'm like oh the, the autistic thing it's like it feels not well handled to use your your wording and and so i was like ah, i don't i don't care about this movie uh, it, it's better than i gave it credit for back then absolutely i think it's a solid action movie again if you could have your hang-ups um and that's when i really started appreciating affleck as an actor too like i feel like he never really got his fair shake after bvs which he is good in by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the account, I, I, I think you actually get a kick out of it, Vice. I, I, I'm actually, I was actually surprised to hear you hadn't seen it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's a rock solid movie. It's like hey. maybe a five star, three star movie. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, also it, a it's very black. Juice. It's also a very black coffee ass action movie. Uh, so perfect. yeah, yeah. It's, it's very self-serious. It's very like, but again, it's it's you know, and again, he and it, Affleck does the work as we know. He he does a lot of his own action. This is the same. Um, and again, he and Bernthal are just like they they alone make the movie worth watching. Bernthal's fucking great in it. He's so good in it. Uh, it's actually the the movie that basically got him. My understanding is it's the movie that basically got him the Punisher um, because he's essentially playing frank castle in the movie so um it's it's well worth watching oh, oh i forget one, one, one more before we go is um i so as we discuss this uh people listening i really want us to um you know let's keep this maybe i'll make a letterbox list officially so that we can i can add um i can have people comment and add additions to it um but i do want to also as as you as you think about this this genre of you know these mundane jobs i do want to hear some more um international um, focus as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure there's like plenty of like maybe Indian uh, Tamil stuff going. Mad from Nowhere is the one that I immediately thought of because again, him working at a pawn shop is essential to that movie. He works at a pawn shop because he's still he wants to be alone, but he's still part of society and he doesn't meet the girl and he doesn't run into this problem if he's not working at the pawn shop. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I definitely want people, uh, you know, let us know from not just you know not just American movies, but um, from around the world, like to kind of have this similar thing because yeah, I think even uh, with the international uh, perspective, there are other jobs that we might be overlooking that maybe are important to a specific culture context or whatever. 
Um, one that I thought of just last thing that because I, I didn't even it's not really an action movie, but um, it, it went like it went it went it Palm de Or. This is a uh, 2015. This is a uh, Deep On. It's a French film about yeah. It's like it's a fantastic film. It's about a, it's a, a French film about a um Sri Lankan as we who will, you will learn is a um former Tamil tiger, um who kind of seeks refuge. Oh, him and um two other basically strangers have to basically become family uh, because they they become refugees and have to live in in France. And so um he became the main character Deepan himself. He becomes a uh, not senator a foreman or a, a foreman for a apartment building for one of the projects. And so, like, uh, it's, it, well, like I said, it's not really an action film, it's, but you don't really learn to the very end. You don't realize to the very end that this guy is an actual badass. I think, again, he's a, he's a former soldier. Um, but but the movie is really, it's a, movie, a drama about uh, both PTSD of what he lived through and also the uh, the immigrant experience. And it's like uh, him and uh, his two other compa- companions, they have to kind of like fake being a family. So, like, they have to, um, and having, like, limited uh, French uh, skills, they have to kind of, work through the, tra- the travails of the immigration system. So, you know, it's, it's really a kind of this contained drama about that experience, but it just what happens that at the end, the ending is this explosion of violence uh, when he when he takes on these um these uh, local, like, uh, drug dealer thugs. And it's, it's so cathartic. Again, the catharsis is there, too. Like, uh, he's just trying to live his life, uh, you know, get rid of, escape his past and, like, start over. And these fucking goons keep fucking with him. And no, 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 <laughs> don't fuck with Dupont because then, then, then you see what happens. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. let us know if there's other films from around the world that kind of live in this 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 genre because I'll be really interested to see, see about that. I kind of forgot about one. I, I don't know if it completely qualifies, but the, the narrative like engine, I think, does. Uh, El Mariachi. I think like, <laughs> like you know, yeah. the, the, it's a mistaken identity movie, but it's like that plot can only happen because he is el mariachi you know yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know maybe there's something that there. one that one came up on the discord and, and i i think it it it's a little bit of fitting a, a square peg into a round hole but but it, i think it but i think it works i think again because yeah it's it's he's defined by his job uh you could almost even argue that desperado also counts because he's still defined by being a mariachi player in that movie um so yeah, I I think as I said on the Discord, I'll allow it. As the arbiter of what movies do and don't count, I'll allow it. Um, all right, boys, I think this is a good place to wrap up. But Vice is right. Like, hit us up on the Discord. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Letterbox. Give us your give us your your thoughts on on these. But do remember, this is more than just badass lives a life of peace. This is badass has a job that is relevant to what they're doing and that makes them like vice said part of society they they have forsworn a life of violence not just to hide but to actually be back in the world and and put back in the world um all right diego where can thanks again for joining us buddy this was so much fun it was so good to see you Oh, dude, thanks. Of course. I mean, you guys are the best. I mean, you guys, like, really, I'm not blowing hot smoke up your guys' ass. Like, it, it is seriously, like, the best podcast. You guys are the only guys, like, I, I listen to religiously at this point. <laughs> and I think that's true for, like, a lot of people because, like, it's hard to keep up with podcasts. Um, but, yeah, no, you guys are the best. Um, thank you so much for having me on. It was, It's always an honor. To, uh, it was a real honor this time. Um, yeah, like, it's 
it's the best. It really is the best place to guest on. So if, well, if you got any any big names you're trying to get on, let them know. Diego said it was the best one. I'm sure they'll <laughs> listen to me. Well, you are the best, my friend. We love you. Where can people find you? Uh, where can they find Waffle Press? Where can they find you online? Where can they they find all your stuff? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I love you guys, too. Um, you could find me on Twitter at the Diego Crespo on Instagram at Diego Crespo Grams. Uh, I'm doing more photography work. I DM me for rates and schedules. Uh, I'm really getting into it. And I'm happy to say I'm getting busy with it again. That's just a side job, but it's it's the most fun thing. Um, also, if you're in Southern California and you need canvas prints, hit up Classic Artist Canvas. Uh, that's my day job. Um, but the Waffle Press stuff, you could also find at the Waffle Press on any social media platform, any podcasting platform. Um, I'm setting up the next season of the failed award contenders as we speak right now. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and our mutual friend, Maxwell Deering, will be stopping by the Hangouts later this month. Um, yeah. Great guy. He saved me in Europe. I know we got to wrap it, but I just got to shout out Max because um, him and his wife, Seuss, were so nice and welcoming to me. They were the only place north of France that had any food with seasoning, which was like a <laughs> godsend. Um, and we, uh, we I, had I a took big a train chat. down. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to take a train down to my next stop in Bruges because I've seen in Bruges, and I was like, "Well, if I'm in Europe, I got to go to Bruges." Um, and the trains were very confusing. They guided me over WhatsApp, and they they saved me. So they're the best. Oh, I can't wait to talk to them over the podcast as well. And uh, yeah, I've. I'm looking forward to the next time we get to hang out with you guys over this. One day we'll all hang out in real life. But until then, this is fantastic. Yep. Everybody listening knows Maxi is the keeper of the A4E Discord. He's the Ayatollah of Bach and Rolla. We love, we love Max. Um, and and yes, he you left quite an impression on him. He talks about hanging out with you all the time. So you guys clearly had a very good time there, which which makes me so happy. Uh, this is what we do at A4E. We we bring people together. <laughs> um vice where can people find you well um as always i'm on instagram at wife just looking hot um letterbox at wife it's the same uh, i'll make sure to put my review for uh the beekeeper and the bricklayer there as well yeah five star three star that's uh, all the way yeah love it um and as always uh until one of us dies i am on twitter at vice this talking all the shit you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hibachi Justice. You can find the show everywhere. You can find us just by going to Linktree slash A4E podcast. You're listening to us, so you know you can find us anywhere podcasts can be found. Join the A4E Discord. We have a great time over there. It's a lot of fun. None of the bullshit of Twitter. Just good people talking about good action movies and, and stuff like that. Um, Liam O'Donnell is still in Indonesia making movies. And uh, I got to tell you again, every little bit that I see about this movie, you all are not fucking prepared. But if you want to see what you can, make sure to follow him at Liam Odin on Twitter and especially Instagram. He is posting stuff on Instagram on the regular. I also have to recommend that you actually join Scott Adkins' Patreon because Scott posted some stuff uh, from from the movie on his Patreon. Um, and uh, follow Eco Uice as well on Instagram. You will see a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff of Warpath. Uh, Warpath is set to blow all of us away. Um, so make sure you follow Liam. Liam, if you're listening, I hope you are listening. We love you. Keep it up, brother. We're, we miss you, uh, and we, we hope that we're actually able to have you back on the show again. It, it feels like 
uh something's something's missing without my uh without my heel my heel nemesis uh on this show so um but uh yep yeah. all right folks that's it for us boys love you let's do it again next week peace